Welcome back to the Early Weigh-In Podcast. This week we head to the Big Apple. For my opinion, the best pay-per-view of the year, man. Uh, going down this Saturday, UFC 295. We got two title fights up for grabs. And it's light heavyweight and heavyweight, man. Like I said, doesn't get any better. We got the return of Jerry Prohaska taking on Alex Perheya at 205. And then for – it is the interim heavyweight strap, but, like, these are the best two contenders in the division, you know. So, regardless of, of John right now, this is looked at as as a real heavyweight strap, in my opinion. Fight between Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. 13 fights on the card. Excited to get into a man. Throw it over to you real quick to wrap up how we finish up for UFC Sao Paulo last week. Mixed bag of results, but we'll start over at your card first. Clean sweep, man. Hard to uh, hard to complain about that at all. You started off the night with Victor Petrino over Modestus Bukowskis. And um, to be honest with you, I didn't get to watch the card too well. So I'm just going to kind of talk over if you'd like to fill in for the Petrino bout. Well, I uh, got the takedown in round one, so easily won round one, and then uh, check left hook in round two, put the lights out on Modestus. So, nice, nice. Covered the I mean, price look, tag at minus 225. Yeah, looked minus 200, in my opinion. Nice. I did watch the Angela Hill fight. Uh, she looked good, man. I guess that yeah. she's still got some gas left in the tank. Yeah. Um, I think that fall off is coming, but it was not mm-hmm. on Saturday. Uh, definitely a good underdog hit there. And then Mark DeCasey versus Kai Fernandez. The DeCasey bet, it's not one that you like to make just because right. he, he makes it dirty. It's not right. a fun one to win, really, but that was a good play for sure. <clears throat> we uh, we both were on this parlay right here, the Ber- Kyle Barajo and Renat Fakhradinov fight. Um, I think the draw was best-case scenario for Dos Santos, but, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not upset with the draw by any means. Right. Uh, Barajo, I thought, you know, Thought he looked good. Didn't necessarily look uh, minus three fifty. He, he, I don't know. He's he is an odd one to cap, to be honest with you. So here is one thing about that fight: is there was like a three or four minute break, you know, for the eye poke on Kyo, and it's like had a boost not got that three or four minutes. I feel like maybe re- the way it looked in round three would have came a little bit sooner in the fight. Maybe, but it's still. I'm thinking that Kyo just rides his back the whole yeah. time. There was no. There's no urgency to him at all at all it's annoying um under two and a half in the elves brenner versus krushinsky fight at minus 200 pretty devastating ko man face plant ko that was pretty sick uh mora versus ruiz under two and a half man when mora came in overweight and you saw her at weigh-ins and everything you knew that she was about to smash in that spot that was a great way to look at playing you know, on honestly, Mora. Right. <laughs> I, think they were the, I think they were the same price. I swear to God. Yeah. So uh, I, I definitely like that. Uh, you ended up the night plus five point three five units with a fifty five percent ROI. Uh, definitely a solid night. Looking over at my card, only straight bet of the night was Angela Hill. Now we had talked about that earlier, or you know, during the week, and I did end up finally getting on that. I was happy because. That was about the only only hit on my card, you know. <laughs> my biggest play of the night was the Fakradinov and Baralho yeah. parlay, which I hit for two point seven five units. So it ended up just being a Baralho straight bet. Um, and then I had the fight doesn't go the distance in the Fernandez to Casey fight. Uh, I thought for Fernandez was going to wilt a little bit more than he did, but he was able to hang on and to Casey. I don't know, man. He's turned, yeah, he's turned into just like not a finisher at all. Um, Nascimento versus Dante Mays, fight ends by sub. 
I don't know. I thought that that was a sneaky way to play it. That didn't really have any legs by any means. Um, and then the Lewis by, by round one TKO junior or Jailton by round one sub. I don't know, man. I like, I know. <laughs> I'm not really sure. A sketchy uh, ass fight. Minus what? 3000 not to see the judges or something. <laughs> right. I don't know how that fight plays out. Uh, 50 per, you know, if that was, if that happens 10% of the time, or if that's a right. 50% of the time, bet. Derek Lewis did not look like he could have been submitted by Jelton Almeida, you know, just the way that his body's built. So who knows? Who knows? That was a tough one. And I feel like I'm kind of lucky considering how the card went uh, to only be minus 1.5 units uh, on the night. So definitely something I can recover from, but looking to change it up coming into this card where we start. Hold on. In the featherweight division between Dennis Bazooka and Jamal Emmers. I like Jamal Emmers here, man. I I think that he's the more athletic of the two. I think that he's got him in the wrestling. I think he's, uh, you know, there's a puncher's chance for Bazooka, but I'm not really high on him by any means. Uh, He's not really shown up whenever he's fighting the higher level of competition. And I think Jamal Emmers is up there with uh, some of the the guys that he's been losing to in his 11-3 and record. I give Jamal Limbers the edge pretty much everywhere. I've kind of looked at him for a parlay piece, but he makes a lot of his fights so close that it just seems a little uh, reckless to try and put him in a parlay because he rarely covers that price tag, whether he's a favorite or not. Yeah, man, we see the fight pretty much identically, you know, with Bazooki as a guy that I'm not really too high on as well. I have here, you know, that he can't finish a turkey sandwich and because he's very little finishing ability. You know, he's been on the, the what, Contender Series twice, I think just twice now and still never got signed. I mean, he's just one of those guys that, I don't know, tries to mix in a few takedowns but doesn't ever really do anything with them. I didn't think the debut was a good look against Sean Woodson, despite short notice, whatever you want to call it. And like you said with Emmers, man, far better athlete, long range. He has the edge on the feet here. And collegiate wrestler, I think he's going to stop the Bazookia takedowns and make him work real hard for him if he does get one. I like Jamal Emmers here as well. One thing about Dennis, though, is he does have a couple, you know, couple friends here fighting on the card, a couple of tra- uh, teammates and um, Frivola and Nazim. So it's like, you know, he's training with guys, peaking at the right time with the guys. So it's, it's one thing he has going for him right now. And you talked about Jamal Embers making the fights close, low fight IQ, don't really see high finishing upside there. So I don't necessarily think I can lay the chalk on Jamal Embers, but I think I can pretty confidently say I think he is going to win the fight, to be honest. Dropping down to flyweight, Joshua Van taking on Kevin Borjas. Seen a lot of love for uh, Josh Van this week. Um, seems to be kind of a, an anchor to some people's parlays. And it, it's kind of like the Emmer side, man. I, I do think Joshua Van's going to win this fight. I just can't, really can't get behind the number. I think it's going to be a, a decision win for him. I think you got two very you know young guys who are both going to be improving at big-time rates between their fights. Um, they were matched up on the Contender Series before, so they've game plan for each other. Um, what I liked about Joshua Van, though, you know, stepped up, took Zalgus on short notice, and it shows a split on the, you know, on Tapology record, on his official record there, but the fight wasn't a split to me. You know, he, he kind of ran away with the fight against Zalgus, which is something that a lot of people really haven't done. You know, Molina, Charles Johnson, like, arguably could have lost the fight, and I, Joshua Van left no debate there for me, you know. 120 significant strikes, good cardio. I think he's got the takedown upside here. So I'm going to side with uh, Josh Van. You know, I kind of like the boxing, the body work coming back from uh, Kevin Borjas. But 
you know, not made the debut. Joshua Vans already made that walk before, gotten the octagon jitters out of him. So, kind of like I said, same thing after seeing the first fight. Line could be maybe a little wide. I think Vans going to take this one by decision, though. Uh, yeah, this this seems like a fight where you just get some information from these two fighters. Um, Van only being 22 years old, it's tough to trust him, but he does have the uh, like the tenacity that I like to see in a fighter. So mm-hmm. if he if he does improve on his skills, he could be a, a really good player or a really good fighter later on down the line. I'm just not sure if I want to trust him here. Borjas has um, been spoiler before. He was the underdog against Victor Diaz on the Contender Series, so. Um, you know, this is another opportunity where he can, you know, uh, change the change the minds of of the odds makers. You know, I feel like he hasn't really had the opportunity to fight uh, high level guys, and this is kind of a litmus test for both of them. So, just a sit back fight for me. I'll pick Joshua Van, um, but I don't really see the path to victory, which is just another reason why I'm not playing him at this number right here. I'm with you, um, moving. To a catchweight bout, 138 pounds, um, Kyung Ho Kang versus John Castaneda. Uh, from what I can, from what I've heard online, I think it's the Castaneda side that asked for this. Um, he has had trouble in the past, so it does make sense. Um, this is a tough one, man. Like I think that Kang's a pretty decent all-around fighter, but he is 36 years old now. Um, he's beating the guys that he should beat. But, you know, when he's taking the step up in competition, it's, you know, the fight IQ comes to question, uh, um, you know, whether or not he can really take it to just that next level. And John Castaneda, he's still early enough in his career. And I know he's still he's 31 years old, but it does seem to me like he's still developing his game as we see him enter the octagon time after time. And uh, I do think that he's at a little bit different point in his career. Obviously, the weight miss is a little concerning so i don't like playing him at juice here but i think that he's the side um just because i think that kang uh i don't think i'm going to see anything new out of him here and i don't think that what he's presented up until this point um is enough to justify picking him as a a favorite here so i've got john castaneda i got you so first disagreement of the night here i I do have a one unit shot on on king ho calling at plus 120 plus 124 something like that one of the few underdogs that um, I, I do like this week, man. Um, I think the only downside to backing Kang is just how close the guy, you know, leaves fights. Like even when he wins or split decision, he wins on very thin margins. But I'm not having to lay juice here, you know. Um, I got the vet. I got the guy who's extremely durable, hasn't been finished in like 12 years. Great experience. I favor him drastically in the cardio. I favor him drastically in the grappling. Um, and I do think the weight miss requesting it to be 138. We've already seen that someone's pressure, you know, can really get to John Castaneda can kind of break him. Um, and I think that's kind of what's going to happen here. I think King Ho Kong's grappling presence, his cardio, his speed on the feet. I think it's going to get to Castaneda late. I think he's going to really start to take over this fight as it goes down the stretch with Castaneda. He's just kind of one of these guys you know, decent everywhere, but doesn't blow me out of the water, you know, in any aspect of his game. And I've tried to fade him successfully with Daniel Santos. I think we both were on Muin Gafarov. I know I think I bet him uh, against John Castaneda last time as a dog. Castaneda is somebody that I I definitely don't mind fading, especially when I'm getting plus money on the other side. You got the over two and a half lined at minus 230, so it's likely going the distance. I think I favor Kang and his fighting ability to win that on the scorecards. 
Um, I don't know. The, the line screens dogger pass to me here, um, requesting the weight miss and everything with that pressure already being an issue for Castaneda. I thought it was worth the one unit shot at plus 120 for me. Moving on, uh, lightweight, we got Jared Gordon taking on Mark Madsen. Um, and I did get in early on Jared Gordon. I've got this guy at minus 155 uh, with full intentions of doubling down. The line's just kind of gotten away from me now. So I told you I was kind of looking at playing like maybe a round three decision or something like that to try to get some more units on him. Because I, I do like Jared Gordon um, a lot in this spot here. Um, I was I thought the Olympic wrestler, you know, quote unquote, would, would kind of see some love. The you know Jared talking in the interview after the Bobby Green fight, I thought the line was gonna get was gonna be the other way. Just happened to be wrong here. I think Gordon's a great counter wrestler. Um, the only type of guys you see rack up like control time on Jared Gordon are guys who have phenomenal jujitsu, like Selecki and Dawson, guys who are able to get the back and control you. That's not Madsen's game whatsoever. You know he's a Greco-Roman guy, relies on the body lock takedowns. I don't think that style translates well over to MMA to begin with. Um, he's got to work very hard for a lot of his takedowns. I think that's going to be a detriment to his cardio. And Jared Gord's got some of the best cardio on the roster here. I favor him drastically on the feet. Younger, I don't know, man. All signs point to Jared Gordon here. I told you earlier, looking at his topology page, the guy was 11-1 and one to decisions with the only loss being to Patty Pimblett, which arguably should have gone his way. So we're talking about a guy who could be 12-0 and 0 on the judges' scorecards. He really knows how to win a fight, man. And and while the knock was his chin for the longest time, it's it's decent guys like Oliveira and Joaquin Silva, you know, you know, guys with good power putting him out. I don't see that with Mark Madsen, man. So I'm all over Jared Gordon here to get the job done. Um, yeah, you you definitely have a more passionate take on this fight than I do. Um, Jared Gordon's younger, but definitely not young, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's got some fight miles on him and some life miles on him. And um what, what's keeping me away from this fight is I don't really really see him finishing this fight. And that being said, like he probably is going to make it a close fight because I don't think that he's going to have success early in the fight when Madsen still has gas. I think that that first round is going to be really tough for him. And then now he's at a disadvantage and he's not going to be able to finish in my head. So that's where he's going to fall behind. Although I do, I do agree that his cardio is much better, but I'm just not sure if he's going to have enough significant damage in the later rounds to swing the judges in his direction, um, at least safely um, enough for me to want to play him at minus 200. Yeah. Um, so I think the fight's going to be good. I think the fight's going to be good. I think that there's probably going to be a better line after the first round, because I do see Mark Madsen having success being the much physically stronger guy of the two, if they do lock up. I think that's how the Selecki fight went. I'm pretty sure Selecki took round one, Gordon taking two and three, you know. So, I, I mean, I could see. I could very well see that. And that's where, you know, I kind of was looking at maybe doubling down on the decision since he should be 12-0 and 0, don't have to lay the minus 200 there, you know. Right. And I just, I yeah. I also, like I said, I just there's not much finishing upside on the Gordon side, and Mark is, is pretty tough. So, yeah, I, I feel you. I like the Gordon decision if I was going to play the fight like that uh moving up staying in the same division nazim sadikov taking on valislav boroshev slava claus this one may be the the most line movement out of any of the fights this week uh slava claus opened as a significant dog and then people started to realize um hey this this fight might (laughs) take place on the feet 
Right. And, uh, you know, Slava Claus is a really good kickboxer. Um, the the problem with this one is that there are people who think that because of who Sadikov trains with, um, that he will be shooting for takedowns against Borishev, which Borishev has shown that he has problems with in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not necessarily sold that he's going to be able to do that. Um I think that this is a, a really, really close fight. I'd be looking at looking for the over on this fight than anything, but I'm I'm uh, probably staying away from this one as well. I think that there are better spots on the card. I think this is uh, I'm going to go um, – man, I, I don't even have a pick. I think it's going to be a really close decision. I'll go Nazim Sadikov and just go with the bookmakers for this one. Yeah, uh, extremely volatile fight. I don't recommend – I don't recommend – putting putting money on this one either i think i put that i think the fight's like flying underneath the radar i think this is a slept on fight on the card like i think it's gonna be both of them are good really good like exciting fighters and nazim has this type of like arrogance to him and if he if he comes in here and gives um slava claus the fight that he wants i don't know man i i i'm not sold on nazim as the favorite i just you know, you got a striking coach at Team Alpha Male and, and Slava. He is nasty on the feet, and he actually can fight very well moving backwards. I like the way that he works the body as well. And while his, you know, while his takedown defense sucks, man, I mean, the sub game and defense and, and the get up game, they're not bad. You know, he makes guys work to get him down. He gets back to his feet. He hasn't been submitted in the UFC so far, I don't believe. I don't know, man. I, I, I kind of was interested in looking at Slava when he was a, a bigger underdog earlier in the week, but as the line closes, you know, Nazim is the one who could mix things up and land the takedowns here. And he does have really good forward pressure. Despite being, you know, willing to eat shots to land his own, he does have really good forward pressure. And that is the type of style that I think could negate and, you know, the, the Slava claw side, I think he needs some room to work, likes to throw his kicks. And if, if Nazim's on his on his pressure game here, he can kind of stifle that, land a couple takedowns. So I'm going to side with Nazim, but, uh, man, I am with you. Um, hard to even come out on a side here. I'm going to just sit back and enjoy that one. Moving on, uh, first ladies fight of the night, I do believe we talked about. We got Tabitha Ricci versus Lupita Godinez. Um, another spot that I'm on, I, I do have one unit on Lupi at minus 130 and uh, seems to be man. taking some money, you know. She, she's up to, like, minus 175 at this point. Um, you know, it is WMMA. I see people saying it's going to be a close fight, going to go the distance. And and normally I'm like, yeah, you know, the value is going to be on the dog here. I just, I don't see where Tabitha has the advantages. If these girls put on a gi and, you know, go to the jujitsu gym, maybe Tabitha submits her. But as far as an MMA man, I, I think Lupita's got the, the wrestling to keep this on the feet. I don't think Tabitha is going to be successful getting her down. And I think Lupi's got the better gas tank, you know, reach has got a muscle up frame and she does slow down. I think if anybody finds top time here, it's Godinez. I like the boxing of Godinez. So it's like everywhere the fight goes, I, I do favor, I do favor Lupi there. So I, you know, I look at her online training with Grosso, Aldana with Lopez and Costa both on this card. I laid the juice on some women's MMA, man. I, I really like Loopy to win here on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I, I share the same sentiment. I think it's Loopy's fight to lose. She uh, matches Tabitha and Tabitha's strengths, and I think that she should edge out in the spots where 
you know, it's uh, where it's going to be close. I think Loopy edges it out. I like her at the minus 130. I don't like her at the current price tag. Uh, I think that even though both of these girls are pretty good, we're still talking about lower level women's MMA. And um, it's a spot where I'm okay with laying off of for here. But I, I do like the minus 130 number. Uh, we skip over the Rebecca Roberts fight. I had it after this one. They might have flip-flopped on topology. I had it coming up next. Okay. Um, all right. Well, moving on. I'll, I'll take Lupita Godinez as well. I think it'll be a close decision. Something like that. Um, lightweight division, Mateusz Rebecki and Roosevelt Roberts. <clears throat> you know, Roosevelt Roberts, he's had his little stint in the UFC and fought his way back now, I guess, technically. Um, he's stepping in on short notice. Uh, Mateusz Rebecki, he looks really solid. Um, he's yeah. another one of these guys similar to uh, Kang or Castaneda Kang. I don't know. He he has a lot of MMA experience. He's over the age of 31, and I don't really see it. I don't really think that we're going to see um, him develop his game much more, but he does bring a lot of really good things to the octagon. He's got an insane pressure. Um, I do think that Roosevelt Roberts being the the body style that he is, he's not very physically strong. He'll probably get um, just out, out wrestled here. Mateusz is going to have a significant strength advantage and he'll probably throw him around for as long as this lasts. Uh, the odds are like minus 600. And I, I think that it probably reflects that on Saturday. Um, I'm looking, not, not really even looking. I think it's like minus 185 for Mateus uh, inside the distance, but that's how I figured this fight will go is he'll end up breaking Roosevelt over the course of 15 minutes. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'd put that, I think it could be, well, not that it could be, but I think Rebecca might, minus seven, 800 for his style. I think that pressure style, that cardio, the way he likes to wear on guys, typically I like a minus 700 to get like a, a quick two or three minute finish and I feel like his style predicates on breaking Roosevelt in round two or three not that you're going to get a better line or anything but just more opportunity for Roosevelt being six foot whatever to lock up some sneaky choke or something that you know not that I think it's going to happen I, I do think Rebecca grinds him on the fence lands some takedowns and I do think he finds around two or three finish but again for me to lay minus 700 on a fighter I, I want to I want a quicker finish than that might take a look at the if you say minus 180, could take a look at that as well, man. Prelim main event at flyweight. We got Steve Ursig taking on Alessandro Costa. This was a fight that I was staring at for the longest time about debating on betting Steve Ursig. And I wake up and the guy's minus 200 the next day and just, I don't know, can't force a play on him at that odds. But I do think he has a pretty good edge here, man. I think he, you know, he has a nice size edge, like, and, and reach and, and height, but I feel like technicality on the feet definitely sw- swings to see Verseg's side. Outside of just like the fight ending power of a fight, he's much better. His cardio is great. His fight IQ is great. Mm-hmm. I like the submission and grappling upside here with Costa. I, I like his calf kick. I like his, the way he works the body, but I just feel like everything's thrown a bit wider than Steve is. I feel like Steve's a little bit cleaner, like I said. Those are shots a like, str- lot straighter, could beat him to the punch. Um, it's moved to the prelim main event. So the UFC likes somebody here. Or they like some violence. I like some violence too. I think we see, uh, I think we see Arisa get around two or three finish, uh, but I'm going to be laying off. I don't think it's a bad spot to lay off, man. Um, Ursa, he caught, he caught Dvorak on like a three fight skid when he did beat him. 
Um, outside of that, he's he's rel been relatively untested on the regional scene. Um, I do think that this is another spot where just download some information for the future fights because Costa, you know, in my head, I think if you take that Albazi loss out of the equation, he's probably a close. This is probably lined a little bit closer. And Amir, Al Amir Albazi smashes both these guys. Right. So I, it's, it's like hard to take much from that because um, before that, you know, he's riding a seven fight win streak coming into it, beats Jimmy Flick pretty relatively easily. And Flick hasn't looked the greatest. So that's not like the biggest feather in your cap. Um, but he can win at a UFC level. I'm not sure that Urseg has quite earned this price tag. Um, and it being 125 pounds, like I don't really see a finish unless it's on the Costa side. So I'm okay with uh, laying off of this one, maybe looking at the over. Uh, moving on to the first fight of the main card, Pat Sabatini taking on Diego Lopes. Um, I'm on the uh, Diego Lopes side. I think that he's going to be the more dangerous guy out there. Um, as far as the grappling goes, I think Sabatini has a significant wrestling advantage, and Diego Lopes being the BJJ specialist he is, he's more than happy to work off his back or give up takedowns. Um, but he is the more dangerous of the two fighters. I think that if he is back on the mat for the majority of the fight, he's going to be throwing up a lot of submissions and Pat Sabatini is going to have to be really measured for over the course of 15 minutes to avoid yeah. getting caught in something. Um, and then if Diego Lopez is able to work to his feet um, and Sabatini does start to slow down, I think that Diego throws the much more powerful shots. He's got the, um, the pressure and the, not not a care doesn't care to get taken down so he's more than willing to push that pressure um and he could break sabatini on the feet as well um so i think diego lopez lopes wins this i think he wins it inside the distance more often than not um so the the play that i made was uh diego lopes scorecards no action i'm in it for three units and i think we feel pretty similar on this fight yes sir man i'm about to say i'm about to reiterate a lot of the same things that you just said i feel like it it goes very, very similar to the Evloa fight. You know, it's it's going to be Pat Force in the wrestling and Diego being dangerous every fucking minute of the fight, you know. And while I don't think Pat's as good of a wrestler as Evloev, he has better jujitsu than Evloev, and he might find success grinding Lopez out a little bit more. And, you know, that's kind of why I like your play so much, man. I if you blindly ask me if this fight was finished and you were like, who finished this fight? 75% of the time I'm telling you it's Diego Lopez that's finishing the fight. You know, I feel like all the decision equity is on the wrestler and Pat. And like you said, has to fight a very, very measured approach. I put here, I feel like he's got to fight a perfect fight for 15 minutes. The durability, the volatility, the finishing upside, it all points to the underdog here, man. And so I wanted to find a way to pull the trigger on the underdog as well. Um, FanDuel released, just a slightly better line, but I'm I'm on that I'm a finish only on prop for Lopez. Um, I, I feel like if he loses this fight, he's getting grinded out to a decision by a wrestler, and we're getting the wager back. Uh, I really, really like that play, man. I feel like it's one of the best plays on the card this week. Moving on to a killer fight, man. Uh, I was kind of hoping this one would stay at the pay-per-view opener. We got Matt Frivola taking on Benoit Saint-Denis. Um I don't really know what to think about this fight. I think the fight can go in many, many different directions. I think it could hit the under one and a half like it has lined. I feel like it can slip over and have a finish. I feel like it can go to decision. 
And man, I, Matt Frivola to me is just a little bit more tested. I, I do get that there's a bit durability concerns for Matt Frivola as he has been knocked out twice, been dropped numerous occasions. Benoit is a massive lightweight, going to be the bigger guy with good forward pressure. And I did try to fade him hard against Tiago Moises. And I was left almost even more impressed with Benoit Saint-Denis, man. Five takedowns, 100 significant strikes. The fight doesn't even make it to round three. It's things that you like to see. But I just think Frivola's paid his dues, man. I think Frivola's tested. I think Frivola can absolutely crack. And Benoit Saint-Denis, I I know he's tough. He's shown me that he's tough. But anybody that can knock out Drew Dober can knock out Saint-Denis, man. He's in his backyard. I have... I have felt the energy live from a Matt Frivola crowd in Atlanta before. It is going to be nuts in his backyard um, in New York on Saturday, man. I thought with plus 185, if it goes late, I actually do. I I don't think BSD is going to find the wrestling success on Matt Frivola as he has with some other guys like Ismail Bonfim and Tiago Moises. I think Matt can keep it up on the feet. I really like Matt's cardio. I like Matt's submission upside. I like his guillotines. I don't know, man. At plus 185, I was willing to roll the dice here, um, but again, props to your BSD bet against Ismail Bonfim. I think that's your second best bet of the year behind Jonathan Martinez. I uh, yeah, I definitely enjoyed being on that BSD side for sure. But um, man, I can't I can't seem to shake staying on his side for this fight. Um, like you said, like I think that there's a lot of finishing upside, but I got to give it all to Benoit Saint Denis here. Um, I've never seen, I've seen him rocked. I don't think that Frivola hits as hard as um, Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos and Dos Santos couldn't get him out of the, out of the fight. Um, when it comes to like who I think would win in a war of attrition, like I'm, I'm going BSD. He's proven he can take that ass whooping. And, you know, although Matt Frivola's hype train that he's on right now is awesome he's riding a four fight first round knockout streak like that's probably not going to continue for much longer although it's been awesome um but we've you know we've seen his limitations in the past and we've seen that um especially early if he's not if he's not prepared he can get caught i just think like i said if this becomes a war of attrition i, I just lean towards the benoit saint denis side although it's not like he has some significant advantage anywhere in this fight um i just I trust his chin a little bit more. I trust him whenever it gets down to a dog fight. Um, although Frivola has looked really good in the opening minutes of um, dog fights. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going with Benoit Saint-Denis here, but I'm not laying the minus 225 because I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a rock'em sock'em type fight. Uh, moving on to the featured bout of the pay-per-view Jessica Andrade taking on Mackenzie Dern at strawweight. Uh, you know, it, I don't see very many people on Andrade at all. And yeah. I, I don't blame him, man. Like the, the Aaron Blanchfield fights a really tough one to look, look past uh, Andrade. She landed a little bit early, but it's just the moment that she gets taken down. She's like a fish out of water. Mackenzie Dern's only going to be more dangerous on the mat than, uh, then Aaron Blanchfield and then Mackenzie Dern in her last fight against Angela Hill, putting together a striking 25 minute striking clinic. Um, that looked really, really good. As far as where they're at in their, in their careers, Jessica Andrade definitely 
confidence is not in her corner. She's getting paid a lot of money now, and uh, she's having to face really, really hard competition. Um, she's not losing to girls that are bad by any means, right. but it's got to do a lot to your psyche whenever you're coming off of three straight losses. Um, Mackenzie Dern, on the other hand, it does look like she's got a fire lit under her. I don't think that body physica- physically she's looked better in her right. entire career. She looks amazing on the uh, on the embeddeds. And uh, I do think that she has just like a crazy advantage on the ground. She's shown the durability in her past fights that I think that she can take some of those huge bombs from Andrage. Um, and then if it, if it extends, we've seen Andrage not look great in the later rounds, um, especially of late. So I've got Mackenzie Dern here. Another one where it's like I'm kind of looking to play her as a parlay piece, but the minus 200-ish range is, is solid. Yeah, I've got, I've got two units down on her, I think minus 210. I, I feel like she's the clear A side, man. She's improving, like, massively, man. I mean, the, the Angela Hill fight was a clear step in the right direction. Best Mackenzie Dern's ever looked on the feet. And go back a fight, man. Five rounds with Jan Jaunan. I mean, she compl- she held her own for sure, man. And that's, I mean, that's elite girls in the division. And um, you know, despite only being 31 years old, I do think the I think the decline is far present there in in Andrade. She's got a ton of fight miles. She gets finished in almost all of her losses. She's in the midst of the divorce right now, talking about having to fight for money and stuff for it. I just don't even think her head's mentally in the right space. And when this fight hits the mat, I, I think it's game over. Um, ten of ten of the last twelve Andrade fights haven't seen the scorecards. And Mackenzie Dern, I feel like, has tons of finishing upside. I think she can rock Jessica Andrade. She's got power. I think she can then jump the sub. Um, I like Mackenzie Dern here, and I like the under two and a half at minus one seventy five here as well. Um, glad to hear your thoughts high on Mackenzie as well, man. And then to the big boys, main and co-main and main event, man. First one up at heavyweight, Sergey Pavlovich taking on Tom Aspinall. I said it when the fight got booked, man. You like John Jones a ton. I love John Jones a ton. This is a better fight than Jones and Stipe to me, man. This is a legitimate active contenders on the winning streak. I think it keeps the division moving. Um, it, it's a fight that, like, no way in hell it goes the distance. I, I, I really fucking like this fight a lot, man. I've put a lot of tape in, into this fight this week. and I just well, not a lot of tape. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> All of six minutes for Pavlovich. <laughs> uh, I just feel like Tom's a far superior martial artist, man. You know, I feel like he's way more rounded and he has way more ways that he can win this fight. The footwork is on another level. Speed, you know, he's always been talked about as just representing this new breed of heavyweight. Um, and from what I can tell, I do expect, you know, improvements from Pavlovich, man, but the grappling upside to me is clearly in the favor of Tom if he blasts one of those doubles that he has, man, or one of those body lock entries that he did on Volkov. It's fast, it's slick, and it's technical, man. It, it's stuff that you don't typically see with a heavyweight, or Pavlovich is what you typically see with a heavyweight. You know, it's just kind of a one-dimensional guy with stupid power, and even more impressive to me, man, he took some shots from Curtis Blades, and he just walked forward. They weren't even phasing the dude. He, he just trusts his power way more than guys, 
And it's crazy because the power's in the jab, you know, like the two of us have finished has started with the jab, the blades fight. I, I know technically he catches him with the big overhand, right. That kind of sets him down at first. The finishing sequences started with a jab. Like this guy throws an overhand, right around your guard and when you think you're safe, he exits with a jab, and he's got like an 80-inch reach, and he's got deadly power behind it. I like what I see from Pavlovich, but I, I I just I keep going back to how many ways Tom Aspinall can win this fight. You know, I feel like on the feet he's the cleaner striker, can wear out the legs, has the better boxing. If this goes to the mat, it's Tom. If it happens to go to rounds two or three, I think that favors Tom and only had to pay minus 110 to see it. So I'm on time Aspinall for for two units, man. I, I think he comes out on top. Um, and I got a nice little stupid round two, three sub, but like plus 1300 it would be nice if he could degenerately cash for me. Uh, I've got a, a different look at playing this. Um, also, I, I think I wind up on the Pavlovich side, man mostly because of durability. I think that Pavlovich is the more durable of the two. Um, to me, I, I watched the interviews this week of uh, Tom, and he's, I don't know how many times he's going to bring up that he wishes he would have gotten longer than two weeks to have this camp. It seems like he's he's got this seed of doubt that he's laying, you know, like the foundation for, yeah, for excuses. And then in the uh, press conference today, you know, he says he has a good relationship with fear, but he's just constantly like, yeah, this scary motherfucker across the across from me. He's just constantly commenting on it. I just I'm not sure if I like that mindset. He might say that he likes it, but it just seems like he's being honest. And that doesn't necessarily translate to him being able to overcome that. Similar to like Cowboy Cerrone, like Cowboy's honest with how he feels about his fights mm-hmm. pre-fight. That's not really the mindset I like of somebody. I want somebody like Sergey Pavlovich where it's like, nobody can stop me type mindset. You know, he's not scared of anybody. And then I look at the type of fights that the UFC has been putting Aspinall against versus Sergey Pavlovich. You tell me when you hear a knockout artist on, on Aspinall's record, Jake Collier, Alain Boudot, Arlovsky, Spivak, Volkov, Blades, Tibera. At the UFC level, none of those guys hit that hard. I really don't think so. And even the one that did hit the hardest, Curtis Blades, you know, I don't know. Aspinall Aspinall showed he talked about retirement after that knee injury. I don't like his mindset at that point where you look at Sergey Pavlovich and they're throwing him in the ring against Derek Lewis and Taito Avasa. Like they're giving him those fights where it's just a car wreck right at the center of the octagon. And that's how I see this fight. I think it's going to be these two guys, car wreck in the center of the octagon, and we're going to get a sub one minute uh, type fight. You know, the two of Asa and the Derek Lewis fight, 55 seconds of the first round. I think that we're going to see two guys who, Aspinall, I really don't think he's seen a power puncher yet in the UFC. Those have been really favorable matchups where he has the opportunity to showcase his skills as a, as a mixed martial artist, where now it's, hey, look, you've got one minute to get prepared for the hardest puncher you know, you've ever seen in the octagon. And I do think that that's going to catch him off guard. And I trust Pavlovich's uh, durability, at least early, um, similar to Francis Ngannou. He's throwing the heat. And we've seen Francis get tagged a few times. We've seen uh, Pavlovich get tagged a couple of times on his entries because they are a little bit sloppy. Um, but I, I do think that Pure car wreck, I, I got Pavlovich. Although I would totally agree that Aspinall has um, at least 
to you know from from what we can gather from his from his credentials as a grappler the better the better ground game he looks to be a little bit faster and um, have a little bit better f- footwork and movement I'm just not sure he's going to be able to use any of that with uh, Pavlovich charging forward at him so I think that this fight ends in round one I got it at Pickums minus one ten and that has since moved a little bit uh, I, I do. I do think that somebody goes down here. I know that it's super high level and we just got screwed on that last week, which I was a little hesitant to try and get on it this week, but I'm happy with that bet, man. I do think that we're going to see somebody fall right here for the uh, heavyweight interim championship. Yeah. With these two guys, 50% of the time, I think it does end in round one. So that's what I'm saying. Like try not, try not to overthink it. Like it definitely could happen where, Pavlovich or Aspinall don't get caught in that first round and Aspinall can win in the second or third round. But, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I line this similar to last weekend's uh, five round fight where minus 10,000, it doesn't go to decision. (laughs) You know, Uh, moving up to the main event, the vacant light heavyweight championship between Yuri Prohaska and Alex Pereira, man, uh, this one's pretty awesome, dude. I, I, this is a striker's delight right here. I do think that Alex Pereira um, is proven that he is a, a better striker, pure striker, at least uh, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Yuri Prohaska, I think that he's got a – his wa- way of fighting is impossible to replicate. He's unique. He's one of a kind. And he's got a body that allows him to – really utilizes athleticism, catch people off guard. And I do think that he punches a whole lot harder than anybody Pereira's faced in the UFC up until this point. Um, And we have seen Pereira get chin checked. This is another one where I'm kind of tempted to, you know, play the the KO. I want to get both guys KO because I do see Yuri opening up on one of those uh, blitzes and getting caught by a counter hook by Pereira. But at the same time, I think if Yuri touches him with any of his lunging shots, that Pereira is going to crumble. Um, I think that this is an awesome, awesome fight. Eileen Pereira, just because he is the more technical of the two. And I think if you played it a hundred times, that technique would shine through. This is only one time though, you know, he's only got one time. So I've got uh, I've got Yuri. I've got Yuri here, I think. Just having a little bit more power, he'll get the job done, finish it. So we're gonna end on two disagreements here. I do I do got a, a unit shot on Alex Perea here. Uh, but I took it at minus one forty five and typically trying to pride myself on getting the best number. Yeah, you know, dropped the ball here. I really didn't see the market coming back on Jerry here. Um, I do as well try to typically stay away from main events, but it was a spot that was kind of hard to pass up for me at the minus 145 price tag because because I think Alex could come out here and look minus 300. I, I don't. I just think, think he performs better at 205. I think he's a lot healthier, and I do think he packs the same amount of punch that could get Jerry out of here. Um, I think it, you know, Jerry, if he was smart, he comes out here and he, you know, spams takedowns, but. I think he's content to bang it out and give us an exciting fight, man. And and I think his defensive liabilities are are really going to get him in trouble here against a technical striker like Alex. You know, he's also fought 25 minutes with the main training partner of Alex. They've got experience. they got a lot of tape to look at. And, I mean, Jerry was hurt numerous times in that fight by Glover. And I think Alex is faster, sharper, everything than Glover, you know. 
You also throw in the layoff. Whether it's USADA suspension or it is a shoulder surgery, I don't think the same Jerry Prohaska is coming back on Saturday. So, you know, so I think that's in there as well. I don't know, man. I don't see it going past three rounds. Um, I think Alex Perea gets the first or second round TKO with that left hook. Um, the way he chops you down, throws that jab to the body. Jerry already has his hands low. I mean, I, the left hooks, the left hooks open all day long. It's Alex' specialty, so um, it's two great Is fights it, to end the night on. Uh, I'm going to go with Alex Perea. Little surprising that Yuri's only 31 years old, man. That is surprising. And right. and I saw you know, somebody just turned saw, 31. Like, damn, that's good. That's good. Well, I saw somebody also say something about his King Mo fight, and they were like, "Well, he got slept by King Mo." And I was looking at his tapology page this week, and that was like a that was like a tournament shit. So he was like, yeah. you know, he had fought like I think twice in the same day or something like that. And King Mo was the second fighter. It was something. And he's like, like twenty four doing it. Yeah. So I mean, I don't even knock him on that as well. I I just do, you know. I think he's the the kind of the cards are stacked against him here in terms of his technicality, his his return off injury and stuff. And Alex could be catching him at the right time. So I'm gonna go with Alex Brejeda here to take get the job done. I'm pumped for this on Saturday, man. We got 13 total fights, and they're all absolute killer fights. I think we got violence all over the main card. Um, appreciate you guys hanging out with us for 45 minutes, breaking those down. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.